So um, if you are new with us, we are glad that you are here, and we are currently in a series in the book of Romans. And so I'm going to ask you, if you would, uh, if you brought a Bible with you, turn over to Romans chapter 12. If you did not bring a Bible with you, I encourage you to grab a Bible. Uh, We have Bibles at the back of each seating section. Feel free to grab one of those and actually keep one of those as our free gift to you if you need a Bible. If you have the Bible on your phone, feel free to bring that up and use that during the service as well. In our paperback Bibles, it's found on page 866. Again, Romans chapter 12. And today we are going to be in the first two verses. So we're not going to get out of the first two verses today. And we're probably not even going to unpack all that's in those two verses. There's so much in just those two verses, much less Romans chapter 12. But as a way of quick recap, the book of Romans is actually, actually a letter written by a guy by the name of Paul. And Paul was an early follower of Jesus. And through Paul, God transformed, really, literally transformed the world through his, his writings. Majority of the New Testament part of our Bible has been written by Paul. And Paul was very influential in seeing many churches start in the known world at that time. And Paul actually wrote this letter to Christians in Rome. He had never been to Rome at that point. He had not met these new Christians, but he was writing this letter to them. He'd heard about them. He'd heard about their faith. And so he's writing this letter to the Romans, these new Christians in Rome, to help them understand what it really means for them to be a Christ follower. He wanted to explain to them the core doctrines of the Christian faith and help them really live out their lives in very practical ways. Now, in chapter one, Paul gave us the central verses to the entire letter and possibly the central verses to the entire Bible. So in verses 16 and 17, Paul said, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. We can never get away from faith in a relationship with our great God. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Now this entire letter to the Romans focuses on this good news that Paul was just talking about. It's a good news about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And many Bibles translate good news as the gospel. So you may be reading in a translation that says the gospel. And anytime you see the gospel, it simply means the good news. The good news that it really is possible for us to be in a relationship with the creator of the universe. The bad news was that we broke that relationship with God. And we started, humanity started in a right relationship with God. And then we, through sin, broke that relationship. The good news is that God stepped in and fixed that problem. God stepped in and fixed the problem that we had created and made it possible for us to be back in that right relationship. And that's what the good news is all about. The good news shows us that it is possible to be back in that right relationship by simply believing that Jesus died on the cross so that we can live See, we can't earn a relationship with God. It's not possible. It's not possible to be good enough. It's not possible to follow enough rules. This relationship with the creator of the universe is simply offered to us. No other religion in the world makes those claims. No other religion in the world starts with this core teaching about the good news, that it's a gift that's offered to us, something that we can't earn. Now, in the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul focuses all of his attention on explaining the gospel, explaining the good news. And then in chapter 12, he shifts from explaining the gospel to talking about how we should live our lives in response to the gospel. So he basically says, listen, if you're a Christ follower, if you have responded to the gospel, if you've responded to God's free gift wrapped up in this good news that Jesus died so you can live, then your life should show it. Your life should look different than your life before that. So if you really are a Christ follower, then your life should look a little different. Now, if you're here today and would say, 
you know, I'm not a Christ follower. Don't consider myself that. That's not a label that I use for myself. I mean, I'm just exploring Christianity or somebody, you know, I lost a bet and was bribed to come to church or something. Uh, if you would say, hey, I'm here in, in, under that, that context, I'm glad that you're here. And I think today is a great time for you to be at Epic. And the reason is what we're talking about today does not apply to you. Okay, so if you're not a Christ follower, you can kick back, enjoy your coffee, and just relax and watch the rest of us squirm a little bit, okay? Because Paul has got some very challenging words for us who claim that we are Christ followers. He's got some very challenging words for how we live our lives. He's going to stretch us today in how we live in this relationship based upon the good news of Jesus Christ. So in preparation for that, for all of us, uh, let's just pause for a quick word of prayer. God, I thank you for this good news that you make available to us. And God, as we're going to look today in Romans chapter 12, you have some real challenges for us who claim to be Christ followers. Our lives should look different. So Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds as we look into your word. I pray that you would teach us, and I pray, Lord, that we would learn how to live in response to the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul starts off by saying, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. He says, I beg you. To give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Now, this idea of holy is not a concept that we we use a whole lot. We don't use that word a lot. But the concept of holy is this idea that we represent Christ to the world. So you represent me to the world. So you should live as a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So Paul starts chapter 12 by begging these new Christians to give their bodies to God because of what God has done for them. Now, to this point, he's been talking about the gospel, he's been talking about the good news, and he says, listen, if you really believe that, if you really understand that, then your life should look a little different. You should offer God your body in response to what he has done for you. Now, the New King James Version of the Bible translates verse 1 as saying, that is your reasonable service. So, So Paul says, basically, that's the least that we can do. The least that we can do is offer God back our bodies, our lives as living and holy sacrifices. Based upon what God's done, the least that we can do is offer him back our lives. Now, when Paul said, let your body be a living and holy sacrifice, everyone hearing Paul's letter would have understood what a sacrifice meant. See, for them in that culture, they saw sacrifice on a regular basis, whether they were following God or not. People sacrifice in a lot of different contexts to a lot of different gods. So sacrifice was a regular thing in the culture. And for them, sacrifice meant an animal most likely was killed and then put on an altar to be burned before God, the God of the Bible, or another God. So that animal was killed, put on this altar, and its body was burned. And so I'm sure as they're hearing this, they're thinking, Paul, like, what are you saying? Like, you're asking us to do what? Yeah, I mean, we understand what sacrifice means. They look around and see it every day in their culture, and you're asking us to identify ourselves with that animal that's just been killed? And Paul basically would say, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm asking you basically to die. Die to your wants, die to your desires, and live your life for God, God's wants, God's desires. And God is still putting that challenge out to all of us today. He says, listen, still, every day I'm asking you, when you get up, I want you to die. Die to your rights. Die to your privileges. Die to the things that you desire in your life. And live every day 
for me, my desires in your life, my wants in your life. I'll teach you the best possible way to live, but in order to find that, you've got to die to yourself and learn how to live to me. Now, how do we do that? How do we offer God our bodies? How do we live as this living and this holy sacrifice before God? Well, Paul continues in verse two by saying, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. So Paul says, you know, there's some things out there in our world that if you're a Christ follower, Romans, listen, there's some things out in the Roman culture that you should not be involved in. There's some things out there that you should not do. There's some things that the Roman culture engages in that you as a Christ follower, you should not engage in. There are some things that the Roman culture says is okay to do that God says, if you're a Christ follower, it's not okay for you to do. Same is is true for us. There are some things in our culture that our culture says is okay that God says, if you're a Christ follower, that's not okay for you. Now, this verse is one of the verses that teaches the biblical concept that Christians should be in the world, but not of the world. So again, we should be in the world, but not of the world. And Christ followers have been trying to figure out what that looks like ever since this letter to the Romans was written. And as with most things, as with many biblical principles, we usually take them to several extremes in how we interpret and how we try to apply those things in our lives. And here's some of those extremes. For some Christ followers, they are so afraid that our world will corrupt them that they hide away from the world. They try their best to isolate themselves from the world. They live in this nice little Christian bubble. And that's not what Paul's talking about here. Now, on the other extreme, we have Christ followers who want to be so relevant to our world that sometimes it's hard to distinguish whether they're Christ followers or not. We look at their life, we look at how they live and the things that they do and they engage in, and we go, yeah, it's kind of hard to tell if you really are a Christ follower or not. And when I was growing up, my parents were part of several churches and organizations that were rather conservative. And um, there were some things that those groups thought and said we're, we're like really not okay in this world. They said, you know, there's some bad stuff in this world that really needs to be avoided at all costs. And I think that's what Paul's talking about a little bit here. There's some things we need to, to look at and not be involved in in this world. But sometimes we can, again, take that to an extreme. There are moments where we are wrestling with this um, in the world but not of the world concept that we can take it to an extreme and look like we're not even really in the world. For example, several of the churches that we were in when I was growing up uh, taught that it wasn't okay, and you may laugh at this, but they taught that it wasn't okay for Christ followers to play with a deck of playing cards, like the ones you see on the screen there. So I know, you know, today, many of us are like, what? What's that all about? Well, I grew up in, in that kind of an environment where there were some, some groups that we were a part of that said, you know what? It's not okay to play with a deck of cards because you'll look too much like you're the world. You'll look too much like you are gambling. So you should not play with cards. So for most of my growing up years, till I got into really college, I didn't play with a deck of cards. You know, I'd see a deck of cards and thought, I don't know what's wrong with them, but there's something wrong with them. Don't touch those things. Something bad with a deck of cards. Another thing that wasn't okay uh, was this thing called dancing. I mean, you may have heard of it before. Um, but in, you know, growing up in the world that, that we grew up in, the culture that we had there and that in those religious groups, dancing was not okay. Like They thought dancing would lead to other things, other bad things you didn't want to be involved in. Another thing was going to the movies. Going to the movies was not a good thing. And there was this thought that if you went to the movies, you would be aligning yourself with the evils of Hollywood, and somehow you'd get sucked into the Hollywood black hole. And so you didn't want to go to movies, because that was a bad thing. So for me, I really didn't go to the movies until I could drive. Once I had that thing called independence, and I had a wheel, and I had transportation, you know, I could get around town, I went to the movies without my parents' permission. 
And so me and some some of my friends that were part of, of those churches and those groups, we would go to the movies and we'd see other kids at the theater who shouldn't be there. And we had this nonverbal agreement. I won't tell your parents if you don't tell my parents. And, you know, as I look back on that now, there's moments I think, you know what, I think sometimes we take this interpretation of Romans chapter 12, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, we take them to an unhealthy extreme. Extreme. Now, do we have to be careful with certain things in our culture? Absolutely. We have to be careful how we live our lives as Christ followers, but sometimes we can take them to an extreme that I don't think is all that great. So is there anything wrong with a deck of cards? No, there's nothing wrong with a deck of cards. Is there anything wrong with the movies? Not necessarily. There's not necessarily anything wrong with the movies, and we'll get back to that in just a moment. Now, another extreme that I'm seeing more and more in church world is Christians trying so hard to fit into our culture. Now, this might sound a little funny, but the place that I'm seeing this more and more, and it kind of surprises me, is when I get around other pastors. There's some pastors that want so badly to be relevant to our culture that there are moments that I, I think, you know what, it looks more like you're of the world, not just in the world. And here's an example. I've heard pastors justifying cussing as a way to be relevant to our world. And when I hear that, I think, oh, no, man, you don't have to use cuss words to be relevant to our culture. That's not what God has asked us to do as Christ followers. He's asked us to, to, to stand apart. He's asked us to live as living and holy sacrifices, represent him to the world. So God doesn't want us using foul language. He doesn't want us telling bad jokes at work, at school, or even church to fit in with our culture. As Christ followers, there should be a very visible difference between our lives, how we live our lives, and how people who are not Christ followers live their lives. There should be such a difference that we stand out in a really good way. Not a bad way, but we stand out in a really good way. We should work differently. The words that come up out of our mouth should be different. When we're at work, you know, if, if you want to practice some of this in your work environment, if you say you're a Christ follower, even if you're not a Christ follower, uh, if you want to try something like this at work, there are many work environments. If you don't cuss, you stand out. And just the fact that, that you don't use uh, cuss words on a regular basis, people go, what's wrong with you? There's something different about you. Again, as Christ followers, our language should be different. As Christians, our relationships should look different. How we engage hobbies should look different. How we handle the stress of life should look different. And the sad reality is that many times as we look in our world, there isn't a visible difference between Christ followers, how they live their lives, and people who say, you know what, I'm not a Christ follower, and how they choose to live their lives. Now, I'm going to go through some examples, and I don't mean to, to step on anyone's toes. If I do today, please forgive me. But the first example I'd like us to look at is Christian marriages. And when you look at Christian marriages and compare them to marriages of people who say, I'm not a Christ follower, Christian, the divorce rate for, for Christ followers is the same, if not a little worse, than those who say they're not Christ followers. And if you've been divorced, I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I know there's a whole bunch of reasons why people get divorced. The Bible gives one allowance for that in Scripture, and I know there's a whole lot of pain wrapped up in that, so I'm not trying to make you feel bad about that. But my point is, if we really are Christ followers, if we really believe the Bible, Romans chapter 8, if you've been reading along with us, then uh, recently you, wrote, you read Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11 it says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. If that's true, if we really believe that, if the Holy Spirit had enough power to raise Jesus from the dead to defeat sin and death, do you think we might have enough power available to us to make our relationships great? Do you think there just might be enough power left over so that we have some great marriages? You think our marriages should look different? And we should be the first ones to forgive. 
The first ones to extend grace. The the first ones to tap into the, the power available to us through the Holy Spirit and do whatever we can to make our marriages the best they possibly can be. Again, as Christ followers, our lives should look different in almost every aspect of our lives. Now, here's another tricky issue Christians need to navigate in our culture, and it's the issue of alcohol. Now, when it comes to alcohol, there are some Christ followers who are afraid that even looking at alcohol will send them to hell. Okay, again, I grew up in kind of that kind of culture, that conservative culture. Like, hey, you don't even look at alcohol. There's such bad things there. Now, that's not what the Bible teaches. Now, other Christ followers are so comfortable with alcohol and an alcoholic lifestyle that there are moments that I wonder what makes you different from people in our world who struggle with alcoholism. And there are moments that, that I, I look at my, some of my friends who have, are very comfortable with alcohol in their lives, and I think, man, what really makes you different when you look out there in the landscape of, of our world when it comes to, to alcohol? Now, is God against alcohol? No, he's not. The Bible doesn't say that we shouldn't drink. The Bible says we should not get drunk ever We should never get drunk. So if you're a Christ follower, God's uh, uh, order for us, God's guidance for us from scripture is don't get drunk ever. I mean, it's something that we should never do. If we step across that line with alcohol and we get drunk, we are not living as holy sacrifices. We're not representing God to our world well. And there are some Christ followers that talk to me and say, listen, you know, I may get drunk from time to time, but I have a friend drive me home. I make sure I'm not driving, which is good. I'm, I'm glad for that. Or they say, you know, I, I'll drink in the safety of my own home so that no one gets hurt. Here's the reality when it comes to our relationship with God. None of that matters. None of that matters. God doesn't say, be a safe drunk. Okay, he doesn't say that in scripture. He doesn't say, hey, just be a safe drunk if you're gonna drink. He says, listen, if you're going to drink, don't get drunk. Don't step across that line. Don't step across that line ever. Remember, God has called us to live our lives as living and holy sacrifices that represent him to the world. So if alcohol has more control over you than God does, guess what? Alcohol should go. If you're a Christ follower and you say, listen, I I just acknowledge that maybe it has more control over me than God does in your relationship with him, there may be a moment where you gotta say, you know what, it's gotta go. I've gotta to give that up as a living and holy sacrifice because a living sacrifice means there are certain things that we will not do because of what God has done for us. God's done such incredible things for us that we're willing to give up things that really have little value to keep things that have immense value. And that's our relationship with God. Now, here's the deal. It's not about rules. It's about a relationship. It's not about checking off boxes. It's not about, hey, how many stars by my name can I get in heaven? It's about how much of of a relationship with God are we really in? Do we really understand the gospel? And are we living our lives in gratitude to God for what he's done for us. Now, let's go back to the movie thing for just a moment. As an adult, I enjoy going to the movies. I think it's a whole lot of fun, and my kids enjoy going to the movies, and we're pretty selective about some of the movies that we see because there is some garbage out there. But I really like movies that are action-oriented, that have a purpose, you know, movies like Braveheart, you know, that's kind of my favorite kind of genre of movie. But there are some of those movies that I will not see. See, action-oriented movies are famous for having a whole lot of language and a whole lot of sexuality. And so it saddens me sometimes. I'll see a trailer come on and like, wow, that looks like a great movie. And then something will come on the screen and I go, guess I won't see that one. I just guess I'm not going to watch that one. And am I missing a lot of really good movies out there? I am. There's a whole bunch of really cool movies that some, some people tell me about. Man, that was awesome. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, that's cool. I bet I'm, I'm not going to see it. 
And do some guys think I'm like the weirdest guy ever for missing some of that stuff? Yeah, they do. Like, you're not going to go see that movie? No, I'm not. Because it doesn't help me in my relationship with God. You know, it doesn't honor my wife. And so there's some movies I just go, I'm just not going to see that because it's just not going to honor my wife. It's not going to honor my relationship with her. So in the big spectrum of things, you think for all of eternity, does it matter? No. A million years from now, when I'm standing in eternity, I'm not going to wish I could come back and have seen that movie. I'm just thinking, I'm not going to be saying that. So are there some things that we as Christ followers should be willing to sacrifice because of what God has done for us? Yes. You see, when we understand the good news, when we really get the gospel, it's not a big deal to give up a few minor things to keep this major thing that we have in our relationship with God. When we see the gospel for what it is, our natural response should be to say, God, because of what you've done for me, I'm willing to do anything you ask of me. I'm willing to do anything you want. There's nothing too big that you could ask and there's nothing too small that you could ask of me because of what you've done for me. Now, I am in no way advocating that we isolate ourselves away from the world. God has called us to reach our world for Jesus. And we can't do that if we're hiding somewhere. Now, if you were here last week, you heard Tim do a great job of teaching through Romans chapter 9. And Paul makes this amazing statement. He says, I'm willing to go to hell if it'll mean more people will come to know Jesus. And some of you are thinking, did he really say that? He did. I encourage you to read Romans chapter 9, the first few verses. Paul said, I am so passionate about people understanding the gospel and responding to that. I'm willing to live an eternity apart from God in this place called hell if it'll mean more people will come to know Jesus. And thankfully, we never have to be in that spot where we have to deal with that. But Paul wasn't hiding from our world. He wasn't isolating himself away. He was engaging our world in very relevant ways. Now, I heard a pastor say one time that he was willing to do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. And I first heard that and thought, oh, I'm not sure how to feel about that. You know, like, okay, sin's bad, but um, he's willing to do anything short of sin to reach people for Christ. Are we, are you, are you willing to do anything short of sin to reach people around you at work or at school or in your neighborhood for Jesus, knowing that for all of eternity, they will be grateful for your life? Are you willing to live a life like that? Then this same pastor said a comment related to reaching people who no one else, who no one else are reaching. He said, listen, in order to reach people as churches that no one else is reaching, we have to do things that no one else is doing. And so that was a real challenge for me as a leader here at Epic to say, are we as a church willing to do things no other church in our community is doing in order to reach more people for Jesus? And I think we have to really wrestle with that to figure out what that really looks like in our lives. But Paul's not talking about isolating ourselves away. He's not saying live in this nice little Christian bubble. He's saying go out and impact the world as living sacrifices. Now, here's the problem with living sacrifices. They can crawl off the altar. You think about it, a sacrifice that's dead, an animal that's been killed and its body's been placed on an altar, it's not going anywhere. But living sacrifices have the ability to get up off the altar before God and say, not doing it today. Did it yesterday, might do it tomorrow, But not today. Today, God, I'm just climbing off. I'm going to do kind of my own thing. And in those moments when we do that, and we all do this, in those moments where we say that, those are the moments we've forgotten the gospel. Those are the moments we've lost sight of what the good news really means and what God has done for us. And again, it happens to all of us. If you were with us two weeks ago, Tim taught through Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. And in Romans 7, we find Paul, the author of this letter, this man who God used to radically transform the world with the teachings of Jesus, this guy who lived passionately and boldly and died for his faith, this super Christian. He said, listen, 
There are things that I don't want to do, and I do them. There are things I wish I did, and I don't do them. I mean, this is super Christian Paul who is identifying with us and saying, listen, I I crawl off the altar. We all have a tendency to crawl off the altar. In my own life, there are way too many moments where I've done that. Way too many moments where I've crawled off the altar and said, God, not today. I'm just not going to sacrifice today. I'm just not going to do that. In preparation for this message, I hate that you know, many of the illustrations that we use related, are related to my life, but a few days ago, I did that. A few days ago, I was in a scenario and in a situation, and I said, God, I'm just tired of sacrificing. I'm tired of being the sacrifice in this moment. I'm just going to crawl off the altar and just do what I want to do right now. That just grieves my heart when I do that. And after I, you know, I kind of come to my senses and I'm reminded of the gospel, I, I, my heart aches and I echo what Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 24. He said, oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. And so there's those moments where we just say, I'm such a loser. Who's going to free me from me? Who's going to save me from me in those moments? I think I got a better plan than God does. And I climb off the altar and go, I'm just not going to do it today. I just don't really feel like doing that today. And then Paul gives us the answer in verse 25. He says, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So only God can help us deal with our addiction to sin. Only God can help us be living and holy sacrifices. Only God can help us stay focused on the gospel. And so any moment we try to get away from the gospel, we bump right back into the gospel. That God extends this thing called grace to us and says, I know you can't do it, so I'll do it for you. Now let's look back at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. So back in in verse 2, Paul has already said, listen, you need to to live your life as a holy and living sacrifice. And he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but instead, let God transform you by changing the way you think. So living a sacrifice, living as a sacrifice starts with how we think. We have to think the way God thinks. We have to see the world the way that God sees the world. We've got to allow God to transform us. But how do we do those things? I mean, how do you actually do that in, in practicality? Listen to how uh, Proverbs chapter 2 answers that. Verse 1 says, My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them. As you would for silver, seek them like hidden treasures. Like these things are so important. I mean, do everything you can to find these things. And verse six says, For the Lord grants wisdom. And watch where it comes from. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And verse seven says, He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. I don't know about you, but there are moments I look around our world and I'm wondering, where did the common sense go? It's like it's lost. And God says, listen, I give that as a treasure to people. I give it in abundance for those who look for it, those who want it, those who are honest. And he'll be a shield to those who walk with integrity. So the Bible is our primary source for truth. The Bible is God's thoughts captured in print for us. So as Christ followers, if you ever want to know what God thinks on a subject, the first place that we should look is in the Bible. We should look in here and figure out what God has to say on that subject. If there's a a situation that we're in, we say, God, I'm not exactly sure what you want me to do. The first place we should look is in the Bible. You see, it's by reading the Bible, not just reading it, but applying the Bible to our lives, God transforms us. He transforms us into new beings. He transforms us in the way that we think and ultimately in how we live. Now, if you're new to the Bible, I will admit with you that the Bible can be overwhelming. 
I mean, if you start like most books and you start reading in Genesis, by the time you get to Leviticus, you'll be completely lost and wondering why in the world you're reading this thing. So one of the places I encourage new people to the Bible to start is by simply starting with a Bible reading plan. It's a simple way to help you navigate the Bible and get more familiar with it. Now, we make available each week something called a spiritual growth challenge. It's something you can pick up from our Connection Center before you leave. You can download it from our website as well. And typically, there's a spiritual growth challenge tied to every message that we do. And all that it does is it takes our message a little bit farther. There are Bible verses there for you to read. There are verses to memorize. There's some, some thoughts, some questions that are thought-provoking for you. There are some challenges for you. Say, hey, why don't you try this this week in your relationship with God as it applies to this thing that we're talking about? So I encourage you, if you're new to the Bible, I encourage you to grab one of those before you leave. Download that later this week and take a look at it and see how it applies to you. Now, if you are not new to the Bible, my question for you is, are you reading it? Are you reading the Bible? And are you applying what it says to your life? You know, as as Christ followers, it can be easy to drift from that, to drift from reading the Bible And when we do that, we're drifting from deep communion with God. That's how God speaks to us, is so powerfully through the Bible. So we need to be reading the Bible on a daily basis to stay in in deep connection with our God. That's the only way that God will transform us, is through reading the Bible. Now, the greatest challenge for Christ followers is to stay on the altar for God. So every day, We have to surrender our will to his will. Every day we wake up, we have to say, God, today, it's not going to be about me. It's going to be about you. Every day we wake up, we have to say, God, it's not about my desires for the day. It's about your desires for the day. Every day we have to live our lives in response to the gospel, to the good news, that we can be in a right relationship with the creator of the universe by believing in Jesus Christ. So if you are a Christ follower, how are you doing at living as a holy sacrifice? How are you doing at that? Are there any areas of your life that maybe God's saying, you know what, we need to make an adjustment here. We need to make an adjustment in how you are living. How are you doing in your relationships? When people look at your relationships, do they see Jesus? When people watch you interact with your relationships, maybe at work or maybe at school or maybe at home, do they watch you handle those relationships the way that Jesus would handle those relationships? When you are at work, when you are at school, do you look like Jesus? I mean, do you behave like Jesus would behave in those environments or do you look like our world looks? Do you behave the way that our world looks? If people in those environments at work or or school, if they were to find out that you are a Christ follower, would they be shocked? Would they be like, no way. I never would have guessed it. Or would they say, you know what? That makes sense. That makes sense. They believe that and they show that with how they really live their lives. As Christ followers, we should not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but Rather, every day we should offer our lives back to God as a living and holy sacrifice out of incredible gratitude for what he has done for us. Now, in a moment, I'm going to pray and then our worship team is going to come out and they're going to guide us through a closing song. And as they do that, I really encourage you to use this song as a moment to interact with God. If you're a Christ follower, Talk to him about your relationship. Talk to him about what Paul's talking about here in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, this whole living sacrifice thing. And just ask him, God, how am I doing? How am I doing? Are there any areas that that you want to talk to me? Are there any areas I've climbed off the altar? If so, will you admit that to God? Say, God, I just admit it. I've climbed off the altar. Like, I'm doing my own thing right now. Admit that and recommit your life to be a living and holy sacrifice before God. If you find that maybe you're isolating yourself away from the world, hiding from the world because you think it's so evil and bad, pray for boldness. 
Pray for the boldness of Paul who says, listen, I'm willing to do anything and everything to engage my culture so that a few more people might come to know Jesus. So this week, just spend some time this week saying, God, show me how to live as a living sacrifice in very practical ways in my life. And then next week, I encourage you to be reading through Romans chapter 13 through Romans chapter 16. We're going to do our best to wrap up this series that we've been in in Romans. So if you would, join me in a closing prayer. God, today has been a a real challenging message for all of us that claim to be Christ followers. And there's a huge challenge for us in how we live our lives And Lord, this biblical concept that's here that we should be in the world but not of the world is something that, Lord, we've been wrestling as Christ followers to figure out for many years. Since Paul wrote this, this, we've been trying to figure out what does this look like in our lives? And Lord, we often go to several different extremes and yet, Jesus, you never went to those types of extremes. You lived the right life that you want us to live. You modeled it for us beautifully. And you ask us to just follow in your footsteps. And so, Lord, we don't need to hide from our world. We need to engage our world. And Lord, we don't need to to look like our world just to think that we're being relevant to our world. So we've got to figure out what that looks like in each of our lives. And there's many different ways that that can look. But Lord, I pray that you would speak to us individually and as a church as we live in this community that you've placed us you know, at work, at school, in our neighborhoods. Lord, our lives should look different. Our relationships should look different. Every aspect of our lives should look different. As people look at us, they should be able to say, you know, there's something different about you. I don't exactly know what it is, but there's something different about how you live. Lord, we represent you to the world. Lord, I pray that we would do that in a way that would bring honor and glory to you for how great you really are. Teach us how to do that, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So our lives should be lived in response to the greatness of our great God. Now, I'm going to ask you to, if you would sit down for just one moment, Uh, We actually have to transition here for a minute and give you one final announcement that is very applicable to all of us. So we're going to hold you just for another few seconds here, if you'll bear with us. And um, I just want to tell you something that applies to our worship team. Um, Let me tell you a little story about... Uh, so we're not six years old. We are almost four years old as a church family. So if you're new with us, uh, in September, we will celebrate our fourth birthday, uh, which we're excited about that coming up. So we are a relatively new church family. And I'm going to ask uh, Brandon and Tasha if they would come up to the stage. And while they're coming up, let me finish telling you this little story. About six months in as a new church, so about three years ago for us, we were looking for a worship leader. And we had found ourselves in that moment in need. And so we began the journey of looking for who God would want to lead our worship team. And we had some fill-in people for several months. And so I was calling every connection that I had to get people to fill in until we found that next worship leader. And so, you know, I'm asking anybody and everybody, like, if you, if you knew how to play a guitar, I'd probably ask you. If you had a guitar, I might ask you to fill in for us. So for several months, we did that. And then uh, our paths crossed with the Lavelles. And so I had a conversation with Brandon one day and just said, hey, would you come and, and help us lead worship? He said, yeah, I'd love to. And so he came and led worship that day. And, and then afterwards, he said, listen, how about this? How about I lead worship for you guys for six weeks? And that'll just free you up for uh, finding who God might want for you. Well, that's been three years. That's a long six weeks, okay? So in that time frame, uh, we have continued to have conversations with Brandon and Tasha and asking, like, how are we doing at this? You know, it's 
past six weeks. How are we doing? Are we still on this journey? And so we have walked this journey together with them saying, hey, at some point, if God decides uh, to send us on a new path, we'll decide to what to do with that then when we hit that. But until then, we're just going to keep walking that. Now, for those of you who do not know, the Lavelles live in Port Orange. So if you don't know where Port Orange is, it's like 45 minutes south So for the past three years, they have driven from Port Orange up here on Sundays, every Sunday, to lead worship for us. A pretty big commitment for them to do that. And our prayer on that journey has been regularly for God to open up doors for them to be here. We'd love for them to be able to relocate and be in our community. They could be more connected with what we're doing here at our church family. And it's been a challenge for them living that far away. Well, they have been in prayer about that. We've we've talked about that on many occasions. We've we've tried to see if that would work out, ask God to open some doors, and God has opened some other doors. And so I'm going to allow Brandon and Tasha to tell you about those other doors that are opening. So it's been an amazing three years. Just want to thank everybody, um, everybody we've gotten to know, every, everyone that's been here. It, it's been an amazing growth process to to be part of a church from six months old all the way up to, uh, till now. And God has blessed our church just amazingly. And just this epic family has been amazing. Uh, they came at a time uh, for Tasha and I that was a big transition time for us too. And and epic, the epic family really took us in and loved on us in some big ways and helped us out in some really big ways in our life as we've been making some big decisions the last few years. Um, but some of those doors that have been opening over the last few years, uh, I've actually started a business. If you don't know, I'm actually a chiropractor full time. Um, down in Port Orange, and I've started a business um, a couple years ago, and have been running that business. I also work at Palmer Chiropractic College as a professor, and um, love leading worship and love helping out in, in the church world as well. Um, but we've always kind of thought, you know, if we can't move to Palm Coast um, because now we have a business and all these things, and God opened all those doors. You know, we've really been praying for about seven years, Tasha and I have been praying for a church that's closer to our house, Um, a church that we could get involved in, a church that we could be in a small group where we could do life together. It's just hard to do life in Palm Coast when we live in Port Orange. And another big desire of ours um, has been, man, when we meet people and where I work uh, and as we live our lives out right there in Port Orange, when, when we meet somebody, it's like, where do we send them to church? We want to tell them about Christ. We want to tell them about the good news, the, what we know. And you know what? We don't know where to send them. I, I don't know. Like, we, we never know where to send them to church. We tell them about Epic, but who's going to drive 45 minutes? That'd be crazy, right? Um, <laughs> so we've been praying and, and we've been praying with Trent actually this whole time about, you know, what is this next step? Um, so I just want to tell you that back in January, uh, Tosh and I heard about a friend of ours that we knew from Bible college back in, in Ohio, um, which is where we're from originally. Uh, we heard about this guy that came to preach in, in Ormond at Salty Church down in Ormond Beach. So we said, okay, well, we're going to listen to this sermon and kind of see what, what he has to say, because we loved this guy. He was an awesome uh, youth pastor and a guy that came to Tosh's home church and a guy that I knew, uh, a kind of a mentor of a mentor of mine. So we kind of listen, well, let's listen to the sermon. Uh, so we do that one night, and he talks about the vision for starting a new church in Port Orange, in New Smyrna Beach. And we say, wow, this guy is going to move his whole family from the Midwest all the way to our town to start a brand new church. And it's going to be called Connect Church. And he explained what it was going to be about, and we just both said, okay. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is finally it. So we've been praying about it, and we've met with, his name is Josh. We've met with Josh, and we started talking with Trent and praying with Trent and the elders here at Epic and told him about this. So we've been in prayer for a long time about this. And as we've learned more about this church and, and what their vision is, Tasha and I really feel like God is calling us to, if we can't find the church in Port Orange to go to, I guess it means we have to start one. 
So we're really excited um, to say that we're going to join in with Connect Church and we're going to be planting a new church in New Smyrna Beach in Port Orange area. And uh, we're going to be doing that here in the next few months. So we're going to be transitioning out of Epic. And just want to thank you guys for just loving on our family, um, our kids, and Tasha. It's just been an amazing experience. You guys have great leaders here at this church because they have walked us through this process and they have prayed with us and, and spent hours on the phone because it's agonizing leaving here because uh, we love this church and we love this family. Um, and so we're sad. We're, we're, it's bittersweet to leave, but we're really excited about Connect Church and what we're going to be doing down there. Um, so I'm going to be, thank you, thank you. So I get to, <laughs> I get to lead worship um, at Connect Church is what my primary role will be there. Um, I'll actually be a community pastor there because we're also going to be involved with leading a small group in Port Orange. So we, over the last few months, we've been meeting once a month uh, with a launch team for Connect Church. We launch in September. First weekend of September, we will have our grand opening for Connect Church. Uh, the last, every month leading up to there, to then we have a worship service once a month and we're trying to build that launch team. We already have three small groups that are meeting uh, in Port Orange and New Smyrna Beach and we're going to start another one. Um, it's been, been fantastic. I, I really pray that God is going to do a things because there is a big need for churches to reach out to the lost of New Smyrna Beach and Port Orange. Uh, there need to be more strong churches. There need to be more churches that are directed at reaching people who don't know Christ, and that is going to be our heart. And you can see on the screen that, um, just real quick, our vision for this church is we would like to, to connect with Christ intimately so that we can also go out and connect to the community intentionally. And I really think that it's so awesome what Trent was talking about today because I feel like that is exactly what we want to do. We want to connect with our culture. We want to connect with God. And we want to discover things about Him. And we want to discover things about people and their needs and what they need. And then we need to respond. We need to respond to Christ. We need to respond to our community and fill those needs through serving uh, in the church and serving our community. So I really feel like we're going to be trying to do a lot of the same things that Epic tries to do. We're just going to be doing it down in New Smyrna Beach and in Port Orange. So we're excited to move on. Uh, July 28th will be my last Sunday here at Epic. I'll be leading worship here the next, uh, up until then, the next three weekends. Um, and I just thank you guys again for supporting our family, for Tasha and I, and thank you, Trent. I mean, you have been a, a great leader. You've helped us through so. You've shared so much wisdom with us on how to do, uh, how to make a transition like this. And let me just say that there has just been true love in this place, and true. Uh, just wanting other people to know Christ is what it's all about. And we're gonna we're gonna go out and try to share that with other people down in our community. Very cool. Very cool. Well, very cool, everybody. Thank you for that response. Um, you know, I got to tell you, in January when we started this conversation, I had that old crap moment. Like, oh, crap. I know pastors aren't supposed to say that. But, um, so there was that, oh, man. And it followed that up with, this is great. I'm so excited for what God is going to do in this community and what God is going to do with another church that shares our vision to reach people who desperately need Jesus. Another church who says, listen, we're willing to, to do anything short of sin to reach people who need Jesus because time is short. And so I'm so excited to learn more about Connect Church and their vision. And I, I think this is a huge kingdom win this move for the Lavelles to move down there and play this leadership role. We're all sad that they're going, but we're excited where they're going to and what they're going to be doing. Now, that should leave in your mind a question, like, what are we doing? So I've been practicing my guitar <laughs> that I have in the closet, and I'll save you from that. So God has orchestrated this. It's so cool how God does this stuff when like, you know, I'm like, okay, how do we figure this one out? God goes, I, I got it taken care of. So just relax. 
And God has provided our next worship leader from within our church. So I'd like to invite Evan and Carla Shows to the stage. So about, about, yeah, something symbolic about the handing off of the microphone. Should be a guitar or something. Here's one. Um, about two and a half years ago, God brought the shows to our church family. And here's so, what's so cool is you never know, you know what someone's going to be doing in your church a few years down the road. And as I look out and I see many of you, I, I think, who knows what you'll be doing several years from now. And I hope you're, you're deeply involved in what God is doing in our church family. But they came to Epic and they just dove right in. And Carla has played a, a very pivotal role in our international missions and what we do in reaching out globally. And you, if you were here recently, you saw we had a team come home from Guatemala. We have a team going to Guatemala in uh, the beginning of August. So she's been very instrumental on that. She went on that last trip. She's very instrumental in what we're doing internationally. And Evan has played a significant role in what happens on our worship team. So as you can see today, he led today and he's... He's led on a number of occasions, has been just a solid team member, and has some great giftedness for what he does and some great leadership ability in that. So we are so excited to welcome them here. So I'd like to ask you again, would you welcome Evan and Carla as our <laughs> worship lead? So... Evan will lead our worship team, and Carla will continue on in her ministry with our international missions, and um, I just encourage you to pray for both of these couples. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but pray for the Lavelles as they move into a new chapter of their lives down at Connect Church, and pray for Connect Church as well, that, that they would really own this vision of reaching people far from Christ. And pray for the shows as they step up, as Evan steps up and is leading worship here, that you'd give him, the, that God would give him the vision, the heartbeat to continue on what God is doing here at our church family. So these couples, both of them are going to be down here at the end of the service. So I'm going to pray and then they'll just move down here. I encourage you to come up and talk to both of them. Thank the Lavelles for what they've been doing over these past three years. Thank them for not understanding what six weeks means. <laughs> And, and thank the shows for being so involved and active here and pray for them in what God wants to do here in our worship team. So I'm going to pray for them and then uh, we'll be free for the day. So if you all would come in a little closer, a little far away. There we go. All right, let's all pray together. God, I thank you for these two amazing couples and these two amazing families. It's been a privilege to know both of them. It's been a privilege to be on this path and this journey and watch what you are doing in our church family through them. Uh, Lord, I pray for the Lavelles as they move to Connect Church. Lord, um, we're sad to see them go, but we're so excited to see where they're going and what they're doing. Lord, we want to be a part of more churches that have a vision and passion to reach people far from Jesus. So, Lord, we support them as strongly as we can, and we continue to pray for them as a church family that you would guide them well on that journey. And, Lord, we thank you so much for your continued provision. God, you are a God of abundance and a, and a God who provides. And I thank you so much for the shows. And, Lord, how they have shown up here at Epic and not just sat on the sidelines, but they, they dove right in. And they've poured their lives out. And Lord, it's a major part of what we've seen in them is their willingness to serve you. So Lord, we pray for them as they're stepping into this new role. Pray for Evan as he leads our worship team. Lord, guide him. Give him the, the wisdom that he needs and continue to bring worshipers to this team that will help our church family understand what it means to worship you as our great God. Thank you for the privilege that we have to be a part of this church family. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, everybody, thank you for being here today. Have a wonderful Sunday. Then please come on up and talk to these two families before you leave for today. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Epic. You guys can go ahead and have a seat.
My name's Cody, and before we get started, I have a few announcements. Uh, did everybody have a great 4th of July or still enjoying it? Awesome. As you see, as you pull in, we have a big float out there with the flags on it, big 15-foot cross. That's what we were doing this weekend. On Thursday, our youth, our uh, student ministry, Surge, uh, put together a float, and we had it in the Flagler Beach Parade, and we just had a blast out there. It was a good time. Somebody referred to us as a party coming down A1A. We had the music blaring, throwing out candy. It was just awesome. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody that came out and supported us, all the volunteers that were involved, the students. Man, you guys are really living it out. It was awesome. And... We got third place in the parade for most original, which was awesome, but it was a great time. Thank you for what you guys do, giving candy, um, coming out and supporting. You guys are awesome. Just thank you so much. And also, um, coming up on the 28th of this month at 5 o'clock, we're going to be having a baptism and a day at the beach. So if you've recently put your faith and trust into Jesus and you would like to take the next step and be baptized, you can do that by jumping online and on theepicchurch.com and you can sign up there again. It is the 28th at 5 o'clock. And everybody else, come out and support. Uh, Support the Epic family. Uh, Support everybody being baptized and just come out and have a great time. We're going to have the day at the beach, games, fun, snacks. It'll be amazing. Come out and join us. And then also, if you call Epic your home and you would like to give back a portion of what God has blessed you with, um, you could do that by giving in two ways. You can give online at theepicchurch.com or you can give in the giving boxes or which, are, which are right behind the seats behind you. And if you're new to Epic, um, we ask that you just stop by the Connection Center right over in the corner on the way out. We have a small packet for you that tells you a little bit about what Epic is about. And thank you for joining us today. Sit back, relax, and take a look at this video.